I'm Rashma Sajani, the founder and CEO of Girls Who Code. Welcome to Brave, Not Perfect. On this podcast, I talk with up and coming change makers who are leaving their fear of failure behind and letting bravery lead the way. You'll hear from incredible people who are using their skills and talents to make a difference in their community. And I'll ask them about the moments where they decided to be brave, not perfect. This week, I'm talking with Dre Thomas. Dre is originally from Los Angeles, but she got to New York as fast as she could. She grew up in a single parent household and she was one of four kids. And she had to share everything with her older siblings from soap to shoes to even underwear. As she got older, she thought about what would it be like to help young girls who had a similar background create something for themselves. And so she started Smile On Me, which was born through a conversation with her mom when she was 16 years old. All throughout my life, I always wanted to do something for girls, just because where I grew up, when I was growing up, I didn't really have much or more amount of time with my mother, because she was working two full-time jobs, and then like she had other kids. So I wanted to be a person for younger girls to come, like a person to come to um, for advice or resource and things like that. And so when I was in 11th grade, I just sat down with my mom and talked about how I wanted to provide. Uh, underwear and bras for girls because I didn't really have my own things. It was all hand-me-downs from my older sister. So you so had never, their yeah. their underwear, their so bras. So I never yeah. had my own stuff. So I was like, you know what? I want to provide this for girls. And I was going to call it underoos. <laughs> that was like my, I was so excited about that. So that's how I kind of like started thinking about what your mom said when you said that. My mom said it was awesome. Like we were really wanting to do it. And like, then I went to senior year and I moved to New York. So it all kind of like fizzled out. But I always had that desire to provide something for girls. And then when I got to New York, I was working with girls in East Harlem. And I realized that- Like you were volunteering. I was actually working for a nonprofit. So we were going to schools throughout New York City and provide programming in the after school space. Yeah. So I was there working with a lot of girls and I realized that a lot of these girls don't have access to like basic necessities like soap and toothbrushes and things like that. And then we talked, we started talking about menstruation and personal hygiene and a lot of them honestly weren't aware of these things. So I decided, okay, this is some, this is a real need. You know, how can I just bridge that gap and make an impact? And that's when it all like started coming back to me. So you feel like in many, for many young women who don't have this, it's like at the root of their lack of self-confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Like if they had these things, Mm -hmm. like things that many people we take for granted. Yeah, we take for granted. Like a bar of soap, you know what I mean? And like just being able to take care of yourself, your hygiene can really encourage you and step up in class and like raise your hand more and, you know, be more confident in who you are. And I've learned a lot, like a lot of girls that I've worked with are usually taking care of younger siblings, you know what I mean? Not really having time for themselves to figure out who they are. Yeah. And I wanted to be, or I wanted to be in a space where I can provide that for girls coming up after me. Did you find it hard for them to tell you that that's what they needed? Like, how did you come to that? So a lot of girls didn't, like, it wasn't a thing that they talked about. They didn't really know that that was an issue they were dealing with. It was just me working with them and noticing, like, bad hygiene um, habits, um, not be- them not being aware of, what menstruation was so I just put pieces together and so I had a group of girls who I was mentoring and like got to know and their families and I realized that a lot of the parents didn't have enough money to provide all their daughters with like these things their personal hygiene products you know what I mean like it was maybe like one bar of soap for everyone or like they'll have to figure out what they're gonna do and like 
for me growing up, that wasn't an issue. Yeah. So I just learned by just watching their behavior and watching what they were going through and going home to. So then you say, okay, this is the way that I feel like I can make a difference. Then what happens? How to smile at me start? Yeah. So after all that, after working with girls for about eight years, I decided last year, my birthday, you know what, I'm going to have a party. But instead of gifts, you know, donate feminine hygiene products, you know. And I learned that in New York, people don't really bring gifts to parties. <laughs> so it was really hard for people to do that. But I was very surprised. I was very, like, encouraged by my friends and by family. The fact that they showed up. They showed them. up, it, first with- of all. And then they actually brought products. So we collected 500 products for one day. I had like oh, two to, big You need to invite me to yeah, your next birthday like, oh party. God. It was amazing. And people around the bar like saw what we were doing, like went out and bought stuff and came back. Oh, that's amazing. Which I was so excited about. So that's when I realized, okay, people are interested in this. People want to help. So after that, I just started having like get togethers and parties where encouraging people to bring something to donate. And that's where it all like started. So then you're like, oh my God, I got all these products. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotta so start, many products. I, I got to start a C3 yeah. and it's not going to be called Underoos. Right. It's going to be called... <laughs> Smile at me, yeah. Why smile at me? So it's actually from a song. Frank Ocean has a song called Lens. And in the song, he says, smile at me several times. And I was like, you know what? I like that. And it's really just about girls being smiled on, being noticed, knowing that they matter, that they're valued, that they're seen. Mm. And a smile can go a long way. So I wanted to smile on girls, provide them with the basic necessities um, that they needed. So what does it take for you for this to become your full-time job? I don't know. You know, after starting last year, things have like changed, like changed, like my perspective and like my goal for Smile On Me. At first, I wanted to be a place where we were providing product, but now I want to actually be a space where people can come to. And we hosted our summit this year, which was the first one we did where we invited girls throughout New York City to come to one space. And it was really incredible because... You know, I learned that a lot of girls don't leave their borough. Um, I worked with girls in Brooklyn, and they'd never seen the Brooklyn Bridge. So it was really incredible to see girls from the Bronx hang out with Brooklyn girls and Queens girls. So I kind of want to, like, do something more where we're doing events like that throughout the year and, like, throughout the city and hopefully in the tri-state area and ultimately the world. Um, So I'm trying to figure out right now what that looks like and what that can turn into. Yeah. Toronto Burgess spent some time with her I'm a total mm-hmm. fan of a girl. She said something like, you know, for so long we tell our girls, like, we try to teach them how to speak truth to power. Mm-hmm. But they're the power. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it starts with them actually feeling and knowing that they are powerful. Yeah. Right. And it's like really was an eye opener. I'm like, I'm never going to use that term again. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's right. Mm-hmm. Some of the work that you're doing is at the core of what girls need. Yeah, I mean, I feel worthy to feel good, you know, so much. Yeah, from these girls. What have you learned? So I worked specifically with middle school age girls from 11 to 14, which aren't where they're not really um, targeted in a lot of these programs, because mostly like high school girls and things like that. But you know, I was talking to some of the girls about like, what would you want to see at summit? Like, how can we make it fun? And one of the girls who's 12 years old was like, I really want to discover something new, like those exact words. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like I'm 29. I'm still trying to figure things out as well. But like for her to be so self-aware that she wants to learn something new about herself was very like empowering for me to provide that space for her. So I'm learning that they know more than I thought they did. And they're more aware than we think they are. Um, and they're they're eager to grow and to learn more, which is amazing. Do you feel like there are... Are, are there enough programs for our girls? Are there not enough programs for girls? Have you found it also, you know, being a social entrepreneur? And like, what are the challenges that you faced? Yeah. It took me a long time to start because I felt like there's already only programs out there for girls. Like, you know, there's no space for me because there are, which is awesome. But I feel like there's never enough, you know, because yeah. I mean? there's so much need. There's so many girls, there's so many people in the world who need. 
And so I decided like, I know there's, you know, this program for this and this program for this. And there's a lot of programs in my space as well. But I figured like some girls still need more, you know what I mean? Or some girls are not gonna be untapped or unreached. So I figured I'd go into those spaces where they're not a lot of resource, like Brownsville, Brooklyn, you know yeah. what I mean? Or like in the Bronx and yep. places where girls are there, they have things, they need things. I want to go to them, to those girls, to that one girl who's in yep. her bedroom, like figuring out what her life is about. I want to be there for her. The challenge was trying to be confident in the fact that I'm providing a resource and that there's room for everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does it feel to go from like wearing your sister's hand-me-downs to like being a boss? <laughs> Am I a boss now? <laughs> um, I mean, it's still it's still to this day. Yes, I'm still you trying are to. Boss. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm still trying to figure out. I mean, you know, a lot of people are, go through like hand me downs and things like that, mm-hmm. and it was. I had all my sisters. Yeah, everything I own yeah. was my sisters, and yeah. like it wasn't until I started working and started like figuring out my own life, and like I moved to New York first before my family followed me. So I'm very excited about that. Um, but it was more about like the confidence that I had in myself. I lacked because I'm a middle child. And I didn't really feel like I mattered or I was seen in my mom's eyes, even though she loved me, of course, I'm the best one. But (laughs) it was a lot about like just me discovering myself and figuring out like who I am in this world and what part do I play? And it became more than just clothing or like things that she gave me, but just owning who I was, it took a lot. And I'm still on the journey today, like figuring out like how I value in this world, you know what I mean? Um, And how I can impact others. Do you feel like putting your, your vision into life has helped with that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I met so many girls, which is who've gone through the same thing I've gone through, who are still going through the same thing, you know, just figuring out their place. And I'm really like honored to be in a space where I can encourage girls and empower girls to like take that journey on, you know, embark on that, like discover who you are because it's a lifelong thing. You like don't get too impatient with yourself, but like starting that I think is so empowering. Well, there is something about starting that, right? It's like I think sometimes when we feel like we're not good enough or like we're lost, yeah. it's there's empo- there's something empowering about starting something and, you know, you're not crashing and burning, mm-hmm. right? Right? But right. there's something bigger than yourself mm-hmm. in many ways that yeah. you're like getting up for every day and yeah. it's like it builds a sense of like self-power resilience mm-hmm. which I think is important yeah absolutely and you know I get so overwhelmed because of the need in the world like I was reading an article yesterday about girls in India and like Africa yeah. like there's so much need so but much. for me to get out of bed in the morning I think about the one girl because it's easier to think about the one than the many right so if I only impact one girl in my whole life, I've done a whole lot, you know, and like not being afraid of crashing and burning because yeah. I've done that and I'm still doing that. I'm still failing. But it's just the getting back up part. Like yeah. I'm making a difference. Like even if I said if it's one girl, like that's enough for me. Like that was my role in this life. So, Dre, what do you do about self-care? You got a day oh, yeah. job and a night job. Mm-hmm. You got a lot. Yeah, I mean, self-care, I'm learning how to take care of myself because I have come to a point where I'm just so overwhelmed, I can't even move anymore. Uh, But for me, it's just slowing down. Like, I live right across the street from uh, Prospect Park, so I'm, like, riding my bike more. I'm, like, turning off my phone now, which was a big, like, a hard thing for me to do because I'm so addicted to my phone. But I've learned how to just tune in with myself and, like, I'm journaling I'm just slowing down. Yeah, I heard down. you have 30 notebooks that you filled I have up. so many notebooks. I, first of all, I love notebooks. I love going to the paper stores and just buying notebooks. Like, that's like my self-care. Wait, but just buying them and writing in them or just buying them and looking at them? So I, well, now I'm writing in them because I have so many and I've learned, like, it's really helpful for me to, like, actually journal and write to myself. Like, I go, Dear Dre, like, today, you know, but things like that, which yeah. is so, like, 
corny, but I no, love doing it. No, it's amazing. I think it gets it all out of your brain. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. And I think for me, it's it on paper. Right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And seeing it like, and then going back to previous days and previous months, like what I've already gone through and overcome. Oh, wow. I don't really do that. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, you so have you to do look that. Back. Yeah. You have to look back. I don't mm-hmm. look back. Okay. So I need yeah. to do that. <laughs> so your best friend is your six-year-old niece. Yeah. My best friend is now my 16-year-old niece. Uh-huh. Tell me about that relationship. So it's our, my first niece, my only, our only, my mom's only granddaughter right now. Um, and so I actually met her when she was four or three because I was in New York and my sister was in California. So I hadn't gone back home in a long while. So Right. You hadn't gone back yeah. to LA in a long so time. So when I went back home, I like met her. You know, she was just the best thing ever. And she now she was in New York, which is awesome. But, you know, she really inspires me. I remember one time her and I were like packing the bags for other hot products to give out to girls. Yeah. And she was like, oh, well, next time you should have lip gloss or next time you know, have something fun. I was like, you know what? That's a good idea. And like, she was just so excited. She was like writing out plans of what to collect next time. And like, one of, she was asking me like, why are we doing this? You know? Yeah. And it made me like think about why am I doing this? Like, what is the purpose of me doing this right now? And like, it helps me realize that the reason why I'm giving these products is because one, the need is there. But two is like, if you get something from someone, you understand that you matter and people see you and that you're valued. So... Being around her, you know, seeing how she's going to be growing up um, as she gets older, I want to be able for her to have a space to go to when she's older. And I want her to see that I'm doing this and see that there's people in the world who want to make a change. You talk a lot about seeing Mm -hmm. and us not feeling like we're seen. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for you? It all goes back to just my own self not being confident that I mattered or like people actually saw me for who I am. So it just took me a long time to understand that, you know, I'm walking through this world too and I'm not invisible. So it's being confident, holding my head up high, like, hey, I'm here. You know, I'm I'm a person, right? So it's all about for you, was that about being a middle child, being a woman of color? Like, you know what I mean? What I was think that all about? those things tied into it, you know, like and I you know, like my environment, my situation, I really couldn't control. But it was just me feeling like I did not matter, which I don't know where it came from, negative words I've heard maybe, or just my environment, but it took me a long time to realize that I have value in this world and like my being matters. Yeah. And I think a lot of growth, a lot of people grow up to think like, oh, if I wasn't here, nothing would change. Met. Yeah. I think it's so, I, I feel this way. My parents worked, you know, they came here as refugees and I, mm-hmm. I totally can relate because I felt like they just never had time for yeah. me. Right. I didn't have the attention. Nobody mm-hmm. was wondering where, what I was playing yeah. with, what I was eating, what I was watching on TV. And it felt, and so when I think a lot, uh, I notice that with my son, sometimes he'll be like, just look at me, just mm-hmm. look at me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's about him wanting to feel like for, like that he has my attention. Yeah. yeah, I think that's important. Like I said, my mom worked a lot, single parent. She had four kids. So, you know, of course she did the best that she could, but I often felt like I didn't get any like one-on-one time or yeah. like I was always in my room by myself my whole life because I'm just so comfortable being alone. But Cause that's how I just adapted to that. But it's just, like you said, like having that attention, like, you know, what are you reading today? Or like, you know, what are you doing? You know, I never really was asked those questions and no fault to my mom or my family. But But she also probably saw you as the most resilient one. Right. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) And and that's what I feel like what I've learned in my older age is that I think the parent, like they give all the attention to the ones that they feel like will need it the most. Mm -hmm. And then those of us who seem like we don't really need it maybe suffer right, a little bit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think from that too, it was just, I had to learn how to ask for it as well. Like even growing, even as an adult now, yeah. like, you know, I have to be okay with saying, okay, 
I need attention right now or I'm yeah. not getting what I need right now. You know what I mean? Like, and that for me was the hardest thing because I'm so used to just being like alone and doing my own thing and isolated sometimes. And, you know, you can't go through life. No, or be like, I got yourself. it. Yeah. I got it. I don't need anything. <laughs> right. Exactly. So tell me, uh, we always like to ask everybody, like, what, what's your brave moment? I think for me, it was moving to New York. I, like I said, I always was, you know, by myself, individual. And when I decided to come to New York City, I had no way to get here at all. I had no money. I had no one. I knew no one in this city, but I knew I, I wanted to get out of California and like go to New York because New York was like the dream place for me. Like so cool. I can do everything I want to do. And so I just made a way for myself. And like I saved money and like I met, I started doing this um, volunteer um, position and I was like, hey, I wonder if there's one in New York and there was a position. So it was brave for me because I never left my home. I never like did anything like outside of my comfort zone. And I'm still trying to figure out how to make it in New York, but I'm glad that, I mean, it's been seven years, so. You're making it in New I'm York, Trey. It, but you are making yeah, it in it New was York. From, it was like a pioneering experience for my own self. And now I like want to move to like London or like, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go everywhere. Uh, but that was my moment, I think, of being brave. Yeah. He's very brave. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Dre. Yeah, thank you. So that was an amazing interview. I mean, you weren't, you couldn't see it, but this this young woman, Dre, had just kinetic energy that just made you happy. She is such a visionary. You know, so many times we, we think about the big things like coding and we forget that so many girls don't have tampons or soap or bras or underwear. And how can they feel comfortable being a creator or an innovator when they don't even feel good in their own bodies? And so for Dre to be really dealing with that need and helping girls like believe in themselves is powerful. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Brave Not Perfect. Got a question for me? Send us a note at bravenotperfectpodcast at gmail.com or call in directly via the Anchor app on your phone. Until next time, this has been an episode of Brave Not Perfect with me, Reshma Sajani.